my goodness, everyone. Welcome to Should I Be Scared of This? I'm your host, uh, Jordan Foisey. And on this episode, I'm determining whether or not I should be scared of rich people, fat cats, the 1%. You can see them in your mind right now. Close your eyes. You're probably picturing a pig with a monocle. That's normally what I do when I picture rich people. They're all pigs in suits with monocles over their eyes. It'd be easier to to uh, define them if that was true, but it's not. They're mostly just uh, like 58-year-old white men through and through, pretty much. Your occasional Arab prince and then a bunch of uh, Protestants. Anyways, uh, what am I talking about? Oh, rich people. Uh, I I'm uh, I'm terrified of rich people, but I I don't I don't entirely know if it's right how much because a, a lot of it comes from growing up uh, poor. And one thing about poor people that that we do very well is just hate rich people, very reflexively. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of great. It's one thing that rich people will never have on us, uh, because we get to fe- we get to hate rich people for really no reason, and uh, it's never called out as such. Like we like when my rich friends have successes, I don't even bother feeling guilty about not being happy for them because I'm like, well, you know what? You probably only got that because you were rich. So I, I, and so what I'm saying is I, I've had this fear, this this fear of rich people my whole life of like, oh yeah, they're just out there stomping on dreams and, and keeping us down. Isn't that right, Uncle John? And then he's like, I can't read very well. And I'm like, yeah, but the rich people, that's the real problem. It's not your functional illiteracy. It's definitely rich people so I, I i worry should i should i have this fear is it is it is it fair am i just being a hater with this fear is it is it just poor person resentment and on top of that like i'm in a game where i kind of i kind of want to be rich i mean when i when i think about it i, I don't want to get crazy rich you know i don't know if i need to be rich enough to own a yacht but i certainly would like to be rich enough to be able to open up my own bar that would fail in two years. <laughs> Is that what rich people do? Like, what's a what's a more reasonable rich person? Oh, man, I would love to open up a candle shop that fails and I keep it afloat with my single money. Like, just some kind of some kind of weird thing like that. So. So, yeah. Am I am I a hypocrite? Am I a liar? Should I have this fear? Am I also right to be afraid that I think rich people at the end of the day, their agenda goes against what uh, most of humanity needs and wants and uh their little bit of ownership over a huge huge slice of the pie is destroying the earth but maybe maybe that's just all in my head so i i uh i wanted to figure it out and so this episode i interviewed through the magic of uh email and uh tracking down sources and articles that i was reading uh, on the internet it's quite easy i don't see why the people in the nsa get paid so much i was able to interview a real-life investigative journalist. Yeah, I got to talk to uh, Bruce, well, Bruce Lipsy. I'm an investigative journalist yeah, based here in Toronto. And I a TV producer, and I um, am a the lead investigative reporter for an online newspaper called The National Observer and the author of a best-selling book called Thieves of Bay Street. Best-selling author, everyone. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but... Uh, pretty good booking out of the gate i i yeah no it's good it's good i mean i i mean i don't want to sound like an asshole but i i ask you how many how many best-selling authors have you have you talked to recently uh actually quite a bit it's not even that crazy oh <laughs> anyways uh, i was talking to bruce about like i just i wanted to get a, a better understanding of of 
because I feel it in my bones that rich people are fucking me over. I can feel it in my bones. You know, you know, some people are like, oh, when it rains, my hip hurts. That's that's kind of what I'm like with rich people. I'm like, oh, my elbow hurts. That must mean someone's selling my student debt for a profit. So I, I, I think that. But I wanted to talk to Bruce to get a, bi- a bigger grasp of it, because sometimes when I read the news stories, it just it, it doesn't really seem like it, it seems so crazy. So I, I, I talked to Bruce about a bunch of di- uh, different things. Like, like, I don't even know really what a hedge fund is. Like, what does a hedge fund do? Well, hedge funds in particular are, are uh, not always, but generally um, in the destruction business. They are, they are parasitic. They, they, they make money by buying distressed companies, mm-hmm. you know, firing the management, bringing new management laying everybody off and then when they sort of think it's like strip it to the bone strip it to the bone and and then they sell it and um make their money back with a profit and but they've in the in the interim they've really wounded the company yeah they've left the company a hollow shell of its former self and you know that's one of the so you call it the, the perverted um uh, changes in the financial world in capitalism is you now have these extremely powerful, rich funds, Mm -hmm. private equity funds, hedge funds, that uh, are not guided by the old ideas of capitalism where the, the markets are there for, to raise money, to build factories, to put people right. to work and produce products. Now they figure out they can make money by actually destroying things. Like a hedge fund... So they're they're kind of like these these supra sort of economic things. Like they're not the same as like a, a mutual fund, which is just sort of no. I mean, I mean, a hedge fund is basically a big pot of usually rich people's money, okay. which have been given to managers, and and these managers are paid, you know, extremely well. They are they're in fact on Wall Street the richest compensated people are the hedge funds. So when we're talking about the point one percent. It's normally hedge fund. Yeah, it's managers. hedge fund managers, yeah, and they, and they're, they invest money. Mm-hmm. They take the rich people's money and they invest, and then you know, and it's also pension plan money. It's you know, it's money from different sources, but, but they're 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 taking that money to, and and they're investing it, and then those investments are to generate a return. Right. So, but. You can invest money in a, in a in a positive, creative way. You know, you can invest it in a new company. You can invest it in an Apple or a Google or whatever. Um, or you can invest it in a way that where, as I said, with distressed companies, right. and you profit by actually stripping the company down of its assets, selling them off, in effect, destroying the company. Right. So the other that's way, brutal. Hedge funds. You're gonna invest your money in a distressed company and help it collapse. That's that's like that's like when you have one alcoholic friend and instead of helping that guy with his problem, you invite him out for a drink because you don't want to drink alone. That's very selfish behavior, hedge funds, and I, and I'm tired of it. And I was talking to Bruce Moore about it, and like apparently these these hedge funds, a lot of corporations, they're not even paying their taxes. They're not paying their taxes. That's man, I pay my taxes. I mean, not like. Not a ton of taxes because I don't have a lot of income to tax. I guess you could you could say that. But certainly I pay. I mean, I buy a, a shit ton of alcohol and I pay all the tax on that thing. That's my contribution to the social safety net. You should make your contribution. We have systematically detaxed the corporate sector and rich for fifty years. And right. it, I mean, under under 
um, Harper, he, he, he cut corporate taxes from uh, 22 down to 15, four, I think it's down between 14 and 15%. Wow. Uh, you know, so they're in the United States. I mean, under Republican administrations, they, you know, George W. Bush, his his major tax cuts were to the super rich. Right, right. So when you're taxing, you know, the people who actually have the most money, so you're detaxing them. In other words, you're not taxing them, um, and and uh, and then you're saying well, we're broke. Well, it's nonsense. They're not right. bro- you, they're not broke if there's a pot of money over here. You just don't bother into going to collect. The, the governments have now made it exceedingly easy for capital for for um, for uh, capitalists and the, the the wealthy elites to do as they choose. You know, they can if they want to hide their money in offshore tax havens. Yeah. Absolutely, the Canadian government has aided and abetted the rich. To do that. It's at this point in the interview, I'm so impressed at Bruce's ability to just keep cool and level-headed. The only time I would, I would, I saw him get upset in it is he'd occasionally thump his fingers on the on the uh, glass table we were interviewing each other over, and it, it, those are the only times I'm like, wow, this guy's actually a bit mad because other than that, he's very calm, cool, which I respect so much because I, on the other hand, just furious, just livid. Like, in my brain, I, I'm just wanting to scream, like, just chain me to something. I need to change the world right now. Get a chain. Somebody get a chain. I need to be chained to, to something. Oh, God, I hope it... Well, I don't know what the chain would feel like on my skin, though. How long, Maybe, like, a soft fur-covered. Somebody get a pink fur-covered chain. Bring it over to a Scotia bank. I'm gonna strap myself to the bank for, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, until my anger runs out. It might be like half a day. But just make sure that the chain is, because here's the thing, I'm only getting, I'm only getting more upset. Like, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, you should, don't even worry about the fur. Just get a, a fucking chain. Because after this, we're, we're talking about the, the way that the rich people have really bought us all off. Our entire society, like, in, in the sense of the way they, they influence our, our elections, they influence the arguments we have, they, they influence our very culture itself. Well, but it's, it's not hard to find uh, minions who will do your bidding when you're wealthy. Right. Like, you know, if you, it's, it's not hard to find spin doctors and advertising companies and PR companies and lawyers, you know, and, um, and, and you know, in, in the United States now, because of the changes to the election laws and, you know, you have the Koch brothers spending Hundreds of billions, hundreds of millions of dollars through seventeen plus intra- mm-hmm. front groups, who run ads constantly, barrage of ads, you know, uh, for months before elections, all attacking any attempt to regulate any aspect of business, you know, to attack things like Obamacare. I mean, it's just endless to attack any attempts to bring controls on climate change. Right. And you know, so so the, the 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 you know, but unions and working people and the poor don't have that capacity. They right. don't have the money, and they don't have access to that technology and the intellectual power. There's an ideological constant barrage of ideological messages from the mainstream media, from our cultural output, yeah. that reaffirms the status quo: the rich should deserve their wealth. Right. You know, I mean, one of the most odious shows on TV is Dragons Den. It's a, it's a nightmare. It's a piece Kevin, of it Kevin is, is it is the most awful yeah. piece of shit show. It's horrifying, and it's horrifying because it <laughs> it's going back to 
the serfs asking the the, the landowners right. for for money. Yeah. Please, uh, can I have some alms? For you my know. crazy vegan shake stand. You know, and and <laughs> the King Louis. and the attitude of the of the dragons is representative of the rich. Yes, their arrogance. Their we know everything. We're successful, and you are not. And uh, and yet, people love the show, and yeah. it's been replicated around the world. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's and it's an odious in this message. It's odious in its ideology, and yet in Canada, it, 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 it's on a public broadcaster. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon's Den is on a public broadcaster. It's on the CBC. That means my liquor tax dollars goes to Dragon's Den. And more importantly, my liquor tax dollars go to pay for the most reprehensible Canadian that's ever been on television, Kevin O'Leary. Kevin O'Leary, you fucking planter's ward of a human being. You're a monster. You're you're somebody like I hate Kevin O'Leary so much because it's like he's like Bill O'Reilly in the sense where he's this windbag that has all these fucking opinions. But, you know, deep down, he just loves, loves Kevin O'Leary. Like if Kevin O'Leary could take a bath in pictures of his face, I'm sure he would do that because he's one of those motherfuckers who, because he's rich, gets to pretend like he knows a truth about anything. But it's actually like you're just a son of a bitch and my tax dollars are paying for you to be a son of a bitch that's what makes me hate him so goddamn much i i i want my liquor tax dollars to pay for a hundred seasons of murdoch mysteries before one more dime goes to kevin o'leary and his fucking rat fuck face (laughs) where did that come from i don't know uh but but do should i hate should I hate them this much? Should I hate them this much? Should I be... Is this fear justified? Or is it just abstract? Because Kevin O'Leary really hasn't done anything to me other than just kind of make my eyeballs hurt by his hideousness. So, like, he's never really done anything to me. Rich people, have they ever really done anything to me? That That's what I wondered. Like, they've never... I don't know if it connects to myself. But then uh, Bruce and I started talking about a, a little anecdote that he had some insider info on that, that did... Uh, in more ways than one, hit home. Um, I'm, I'm from Sault Ste. Marie, and uh, where there's a steel plant that used to be owned by Algoma, and I saw in your book that you wrote a, a thing about, uh, I guess Algoma was, was screwed a little bit. What, what well, exactly? there was, there was an, a, 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 a very audacious attempt to, to uh, pillage, rape and pillage Algoma. This goes back a few years ago. I think it's about 2006 or so. But um, the long story short is that the company had been had turned around, had become yeah. extremely profitable. In, in 2000, it was extremely profitable. About 2000, around 2004, 5, 6 period, if I recall correctly. So it, it, they'd hired a new manager and they, they had um, invested heavily and, and turned the whole thing around. It was, it was one of the most profitable steel mills in the world, okay. one of the most efficient. And... Um, uh, they'd gotten rid of their debt. They had put a lot of money aside for further investment. And because it was doing so well, a guy called John Polson, who is a hedge, runs a hedge fund on Wall Street, took an interest in Algoma. Was he the guy that made the most money during, like, after 2008? Was he the guy that was the highest paid guy in the world? That yeah. Because he bet short. That's right. He, he, he shorted the, the subprime mortgage market. Right. Okay. And so he he was the guy that also came around he and screwed my hometown? Right. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. So you know, and one thing, one year he made his take-home pay was five billion, not million, but billion dollars. One year. One year. Five billion. Five Over billion. just probably being a real son of a bitch. Yeah, right? pretty much. Yeah, he's a pretty odious character. So in Sault Ste. Marie. So he, and his odiousness is displayed in in Algoma and Sault Ste. Marie because what he does. He buys like a ten percent interest in the company, yeah, and uh, and then um, and then eventually increases. I think he got like fifteen percent. And then what he tries to do is, is because uh, the company had stockpiled it was something like four hundred million dollars to invest in you know new technology and keep the the company sound. Is he tried a coup d'état to grab that money? And in fact, he also told the CEO that they should go into debt to the tune of another half a, uh, half a billion dollars. So he wanted to take, he wanted the $400 million given to the shareholders. Right. And then he wanted them to go into debt and essentially give that money to them as well. Uh, so that would have left the company crippled. Right, yeah. And of course, the, the, the CEO and the board said, uh, no, that doesn't, you know, we've just come out. And, and, and Algoma has a long history of struggles. Yes, yes. Lots of ups and downs, mostly downs. Mostly downs. I can, I can attest to the downs. I've seen a lot of closed down shops in Sault Ste. Marie, a lot of, like the downtown. I, for the longest time, I just thought newspapers were for covering up closed store windows. Like, right. I didn't even know you got news from them. Just, I just thought they were to hide. Your stuff still left in there, so a lot of downs. So a lot of downs, and so here was a period of an, uh, uh, you know, one of the few up periods. Uh, Polson was doing his best to once more, you know, screw the company. So, uh, to the credit of the uh, the company's management and the community and the union, they 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 got together because what what Polson wanted to do is a coup d'état of the board and fire get, um, uh, and he did it by trying to appeal to shareholders' greed, right. And uh, so, anyway, he his coup failed, and he was sort of shamed into backing off by the community. But you know that it, it, shortly after this attempted coup and his effort to pillage the company, it was then sold to an, like an Indian yeah. steel making conglomerate, and it stopped being a Canadian company. Yeah, it's not. that point uh, that Bruce is talking about in the history of uh, Algoma Steel is. Uh, Really hit, really hit home with me because um, that's. I don't think I don't know if everyone in in Canada or even anyone probably probably people who who listen to podcasts don't have a, an entire sort of feeling for what it, it's like being in a place where there's only one thing. There's only there's only one thing in Sault Ste. Marie. It's it's the steel mill. Uh, you either you work at the steel mill or you know somebody who works at the steel mill my dad were, would get uh, work at the steel mill occasionally he almost died at the steel mill he almost got uh, steel dropped off dropped on him my brother works at the steel mill currently and so you either you either work at the steel mill or you know somebody works at the steel mill or you have a job that's dependent on the steel mill happening like the steel mill stops existing. Sault Ste. Marie stops existing entirely. There's nothing else there. There's there there's nothing else there. And for this guy, uh, John Paulson, to not register that at all. At no point in his life did. At no point in any of this, it sounds like, did he think, well, 
my actions here that are just part of the five billion dollars I made. You know, the part of it, he's a billionaire. It's it like the sale of Susan Marie maybe made him like a hundred million dollars, but at no point did he think well, there's a bunch of families that are going to be absolutely devastated by this. There's a bunch of people whose whole lives, their whole their whole set of meaning, their whole values, everything they've worked woken up for day to day is is on this mill. It's on this thing. This isn't just an investment to play around with. This isn't a a piece in a game of chess. It's it's everything. People in Sault Ste. Marie, the steel mill is everything. It's all all they know in Sault Ste. Marie is the steel mill um, and snowmobiling, knowing how to tell when the lake is gonna break underneath your snowmobile. That's it. That's all. That's all they know. That's all. That's all they have have time for. And and so this really, it's really it's, it's very upsetting because it's like this is just another rich motherfucker in the news. But here he was bullying my hometown but the worst part is it, it made me realize like well this isn't Sault Ste. Marie is just one of the millions of places where this happens all the time as Bruce and I talked but about. But they can do it to countries I mean Greece has oh, yeah. been in effect destroyed by bankers. I mean and like, Argentina like, too right now? Uh, yeah I mean it's not like I mean Greece is a complicated story because the Greeks did stupid things. Uh, mm. They they took on far more debt that was offered to them than they than they should have, and they 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 a lot of that money vanished and was paid you know was, was spent badly. But but when the company when the country you know when when they when they hit the wall the proverbial wall then. The finance, the banks, and you know, with the support of the other European governments, came in and basically said, "Okay, now you have to sell everything mm-hmm. and lay everybody off yeah, and I'm pay great. back this debt." So, you know, this is a country now with it's had chronic twenty five percent unemployment yeah. for now six years, and for young people, it's like fifty something like that in yeah. Spain too. Yeah, no, it's like it's it's uh, yeah, Spain's going through some similar problems, and a lot of this is just because. The financial industry has lent money out, and now they want it back, and they don't care about the consequences. Do they don't care. That's that's the that's the crazy part. They don't they don't care. They don't think about what it would do to Sault Ste. Marie, and they don't they don't think about what it would do to a person in Greece, a whole damn country, a whole damn continent in Europe. They don't they don't care. Like what what kind of person doesn't care like that what kind of person doesn't think about other people in no way whatsoever well there was a study done uh a couple of years ago i think it was at ucla and they the study was to trying to determine whether as you got wealthier did it change your personality okay and they found it did that basically the wealthier you got the more psychopathic you became really you became more selfish you became more narcissistic you became less concerned about the well-being of others. You became more arrogant and distant and, in effect, cut off from reality. And it was, you know, they did a whole series of tests to, to you know, to, to, to determine this. Um, and uh, that was their conclusion. And if you look at the behavior of the rich, even if somebody had started poor and managed, like they didn't inherit their wealth. Yeah. As they get wealthier, they all, the wealthy all begin to show the same patterns of behavior and the alarming thing for us is that 
It's extremely uh, inhuman behavior. Yeah, yeah. It's it's bad for the environment. It's bad for um, everything that sustains life on the planet. You know that sort of, the more you become a ruthless psychopath, <laughs> the worse it is for the rest of us. Right. And that is one of the unfortunate problems with the accumulation of wealth is that those who have the power become, you know, like they, you would think that the more money you have, the more generous you would be. Right. In fact, they become the opposite. They become greedier. They become more selfish and they don't want to spread the wealth. Yeah. Around. Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> I, uh, I like to wrap it up by, by, Thinking where I'm at with this fear. Uh, Are you still fear, af- afraid? I'm. I'm. I think I'm more afraid. I think you increased <laughs> my fear. I think I'm more afraid of the super rich now because uh, they're so. And it's almost. It sounds like money is like a ghost that possesses them. Like you get. Su- now I'm worried. What if I become super rich <laughs> by some magic of this podcast taking off? All of a sudden, I'm super rich. And yeah. I'm on the other side. I don't think that's going to happen with a podcast. No, you need to. What do you What do you think you need to hit before the money kicks in and you turn into a maniac? Like ten million? When do you think the money kicks you over the edge? Uh, you probably need less than ten. Like about know. about six. That's when you start thinking. Look, like, you know, when 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 you're in high school and the the rich kids are like, you know, maybe yeah, they're dicks, they're, they're dicks <laughs> right? They're and dicks. they're not like super rich. Yeah, you know, their just... their families may only have a couple hundred thousand dollars a year yeah. more than you. Their mom's just a teacher, and their dad works at a law firm, and then they're a huge asshole. They're huge assholes. So it doesn't take a lot of money to become a dick. All right. So I'm both scared of rich people. And I'm I'm scared of becoming rich because I don't want to be a dick. <laughs> but maybe that does sound. I feel like if I did become a dick, maybe I'd be less scared. Like well, and not all rich people are dicks, too. No, certainly not. You know, so I hate for that to. But they, but generally they are. <laughs> generally, they rule are. of thumb. Rule of thumb. Rule of Chances thumb. are yeah. they're dicks. Okay. Well, that's it. That's the episode. I'm still. Terrified of rich people, and uh, that's okay. I, I'd like to thank Bruce for letting me pick his brain and and hel- and giving a hell of an interview. It was really great talking to him. I'd like to thank the brothers DePaul for helping me put this episode together. It was great producing. I, I'd like to thank Peter Chapman, who's putting together the original music and sounds for this whole thing. And I'd like to thank uh, listeners for tuning in. You can catch me doing stand-up every Wednesday at Comedy Bar with Chuck O'Co. Please stop by and please keep listening. Thanks a lot. Bye.